0: Let's do this this morning. I want us to open our Bibles together as we get ready to get into the Word and hear what the Word of the Lord is for us today. Go with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 15. Proverbs 15, and we're going to look together at the first verse. Proverbs 15, verse one, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, he said, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A lot of things going on right now in our country, especially here in the United States. Some very terrible things have happened over the last seven days, last two weeks. A lot of things that have caused a lot of anger, a lot of things that have stirred up a lot of emotions and a lot of people. We've witnessed some things that none of us want to see. Everything from from a man losing his life in the streets of a major city to stores and businesses being broken into and stolen from and people being seriously and severely injured and many of them hurt and some even killed. We're watching these things happen right in front of us. But I will say to you this morning, what Sarah and I say to our kids all the time. We tell them one of the most important things for you to know in this life is how to respond. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How to respond in any given situation to any given word. How do you respond? And church, we're in a place right now. Where we have to respond. We've got to know how, as the church, that we're supposed to respond. And Sarah, we talked about this a number of months ago when uh, the coronavirus made its way to the shores of America and people began very publicly responding to it. I remember getting email after email from from whatever business we had ever visited who had our email address. And it was every, every one of them said, this is our response to COVID-19. This is our response to the coronavirus. And it finally hit me after looking at about a dozen of those that we need a response. The body of Christ needs a response. And many of you may remember this, but we sent you an email to, to the members of our church, our church family, to the partners of Pearson's Ministries International all over the world. And that, sim- that email simply said a different response to COVID-19. And I believe that that is supposed to be one of the things that makes us different is how we respond to these things. And in the same way, we responded differently to that. We don't respond in fear. We don't respond in panic. We respond in faith. And that's what faith is. It is a response. It's a response to the goodness and the grace of God. Well, listen, you need as a born again believer somebody full of God's Holy Spirit, you and I are supposed to have a response. We can't just ignore these things. We can't just deny their existence. We must have a response, but it's got to be a different response. It's got to be a response rooted and based in the word of God. And as I was seeking the Lord about these things over the last week or two, I I sensed in my heart, and I know Sarah senses the same thing, but an increased responsibility as pastors of a church to hear from God, to know what to say. And it's not good enough for us to just say the first thing that comes to our mind. It's not good enough to just talk off the top of our head. And it's certainly not good enough to just be an echo of everything else that's going on in this world. The response is supposed to be different because we're supposed to be different. And as I sought the Lord about it, this is one of the first places he brought me in scripture to the book of Proverbs here, chapter 15, verse one again. He said, a soft answer turns away wrath. If you look some of these words up, it's a pretty good picture, a pretty good description of what's going on in our country right now and in many places around the world. When he said it turns away wrath, You look up this word wrath and it literally means burning anger. Sarah, it talks about heat, talks about fire, which is an interesting word when you look at what took place in some of our major cities across the United States over the last couple of weeks. People so angry, people acting out and lashing out so much that their burning anger literally set fire to people's businesses, some homes, some churches. He said here, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word has the opposite effect. A harsh word, he said, stirs up anger. Now, I'm just telling you what I believe I got from the Spirit of God in praying over these things. Because it would be very easy to come into church this morning and just be an echo, just just be an echo of all the anger in the world and, and honestly feel pressured that if, if, you don't, if you don't speak out and if you don't raise your voice and if you don't throw a brick, then you're a racist. Well, hold on a second. Our response as believers is supposed to be different. We were told to be angry and sin not. So God makes place for that emotion But there's also very clear instruction from the word of God about what to do with it, how to handle it, and what is supposed to be coming out of your mouth. A different response. Church, I'm going to issue, if you'll allow me to, a very strong command here in the midst of what we're facing and what we're walking through. I'm going to give you two parts of this. Number one, guard your heart. And number two, watch your mouth. Guard your heart and watch your mouth. If your heart remains unguarded, and Sarah, you have, you have talked so much about this in times past about the condition of the heart and how important it is to guard it like Proverbs chapter four tells us. Why? Because out of it, what?
2: Flow the issues of life.
0: Life is Everything. coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't guard it, in other words, if it's just wide open to all the junk, all the trash, all the emotion.
2: Every lie.
0: Every lie. That's every true. Thought, if every, you're, if you're wide open to all that,
2: every post on social media,
0: that's what's coming out of your mouth. We must guard our heart and we must watch our mouth. Mm-hmm. Our response is supposed to be different.
1: Yeah.
0: And here in Proverbs chapter 15, you are seeing what the response of a truly spiritual person is looks like and sounds like he said a soft answer. What is an answer? It's a response. Mm -hmm. It's somebody has said something, somebody has done something and it's coming at you. And now you are about to answer. You're about to respond. And he says a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer can turn away burning anger. Now, unfortunately, many times a soft answer is viewed as weakness, it's viewed as a lack of strength, but that's not what it is at all. A soft answer is actually very strong. It's actually very powerful. It's so powerful that it could take somebody's burning anger and like a bucket of cold water on a fire, just put the whole thing out. That's the power of a soft answer. But this is what he says. And notice this in contrast to a soft answer. He said, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A harsh word, it, it, it's the very opposite of a soft one. It's hard. And these words, notice Sarah, the, way, the, the words he's using to describe what's coming out of our mouth. It's not even so much what we're saying as how we're saying it. He's talking to us about the tone. Soft has to do with volume as much as it does anything else. In other words, it's not just what you say, but how you say it. That's important. How you say something has the ability to either turn down anger or stir it up. And that's what these words mean. I looked this up and found out that this word stir up, if you look it up, it literally means to go up, to ascend. We might use the word escalate. You ever heard anybody say, wow, well, that escalated quickly. Well, well, what did that? How did it get there? How did it go from zero to 60 in 2.1 seconds? It was the tone. It was the harshness. It was the hardness of the word. And there are people that speak that way. Well, I just got to speak truth. I just got to say what's on my mind. I just got to say what I believe. Yeah, but do you have to say it like that? Does it have to come out that way? Because the truth spoken in love has the ability to turn down anger. It has the ability. Just the same way a hard word escalates, a soft word can de-escalate. Believers, Christians, let me tell you something. And I believe right now there are, there are people in the body of Christ that are assigned to speak to the body. And I, I respect that and I honor that gift and I honor that assignment. I believe what Sarah and I are assigned to specifically right now is to speak to this body. Yeah. The Legacy Church Green Mountain Falls, Colorado body.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what we're saying to you as your pastors is guard your heart, watch your mouth, and not just what you say, but how you say it. And a soft answer, what will it do? Turn away wrath. Can I give you an example of a soft answer? These words right here would be a good example of a soft answer, I understand. Could you just practice that with me? Say it with me, three, two, one. I understand. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that you agree with everything that's being said or the way that's being, it's being said, but a soft answer, just simply saying, listen, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I understand where you're coming from. It's called empathy. And if you look that word up, it literally means to be understanding. This is powerful to me, sir, when you realize the strength and the force behind a soft answer. Because what we're talking about right now will work on a national stage in a political climate Mm -hmm. and it'll work just as much there as it will in the living room of the homes of our people Mm. between a husband and a wife. How do we de-escalate? How do we turn down anger? Mm -hmm. A soft answer. And that is a truly spiritual person that knows how to do that, that knows how to answer in a soft way. Again, it's not just what you say, but how you say it. Is there tenderness? Is there empathy? Is there an understanding tone in what you're saying? And that doesn't, again, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything that somebody's saying or the way they're saying it, but you have the ability to put out a fire with the softness of your words. Amen. We've been looking together in the book of Romans, chapter 12 over the last several weeks I want to turn there uh, uh, together again today in Romans chapter 12 we've been talking over the last number of weeks about renovation and transformation we've talked about um, what it takes to have total life transformation and it requires the renovation of the remodeling and the renewing of our minds and the way we think. I want to look at it again today in Romans chapter 12, verse two. Notice again what it says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, I believe it's the New Living Translation that uh, that says, let God change your life by changing the way you think. That's how powerful the renovation of the mind is. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what that word renewing means, renovate. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And he says in verse three, for this, for I, uh, excuse me, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think. So here he is, he's helping us right away with the renovation of our mind. He said, you need to change the way you think. And this is where I want you to start. Not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Now, as we watched, Sarah and I watched over the last week or two, the things that were going on in our nation. And I began to seek the Lord. Father, what's our response supposed to be? What do you want us to say as leaders and pastors? It came to me that he's been saying it, that this is what he wants us focused on. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And if you stop and think about that, what would give somebody the impression that they're higher? He's talking about what you use to measure your own esteem. And the only reason somebody would think more highly of themselves than they ought to think is if they're using somebody else as the measuring stick. Yeah. That's what racism is. It is using somebody else and their pigmentation or lack thereof in their skin to attribute value to them. And then you by default arrive at your own value.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's racism. And it's a lie. And you can tell that there's some remodeling and renovating of the mind that needs to be done. But folks, as awful as it is, as horrible as the scenes that we saw over the last two weeks, it's not going to change. It's not going to change until people meet Jesus. Until somebody has an encounter with the one who put value on them and said, this is the only place your value can and should come from. I'm getting ahead of myself right now, but but this is what this scripture, not just specifically referring to race, but we have used that. People have used that to arrive at the value of their own life by disesteeming the value of somebody else's life, and how foolish and how wrong and how sinful it is to use somebody else's skin tone to arrive at your high value. It's wrong
1: Mm-mm. and it's a lie. Mm, unhealthy.
0: The only thing that can put value, the right value on your life or on mine. And I don't care if you're pasty white or midnight black or any shade in between. The only thing that can put the right value on you is the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid for you and it's the price he paid that determines your value. I don't get to determine your value. You don't get to determine mine. Why? I didn't pay for you. You didn't pay for me. Now, you and I could stand up here and we could make a bunch of claims and a bunch of promises and even make a bunch of apologies on behalf of people who did wrong and we didn't. But it's a waste of time. But what Sarah and I can do as the pastors and the leaders of this church is make the commitment to this church that we will value you with the same value that Jesus puts on you. And if you come into this place, regardless of the tone of your skin, where you come from, where you don't come from, the money you have or don't have, it matters nothing. It matters not at all. We commit to you that the value that will get placed on you is the value that Jesus has already placed on you because he's the one that bought you. He's the one that redeemed you. He's the one that put value on you because the price he paid is what determines your value. And now let me encourage you, church. If, if you are feeling undervalued, if you are a part of, of, of a community that feels slighted and feels undervalued, let me encourage you with something. Don't wait to get it from the government. Don't wait to get it from the heads of political organizations, from the heads of businesses or corporations. You go straight to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because the value that he can put on you far outweighs what any politician, what any business person could ever put on you. You go get that from Jesus and you go get it from Jesus and you've got pastors in a church who will stand by you and echo that same value. That's what you're worth in the eyes of God. He said, this I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And as we've said before, babe, that's what puts us on equal ground. That's what equalized us in the eyes of God. He didn't give white people a measure of faith and black people a different one. He didn't give rich people a measure of faith and poor people a different one. He gave to every man the measure of faith. Mm -hmm. Now, not every man's done the same thing with it, Mm -hmm. but God put us on the same ground in his eyes Mm -hmm. by giving us faith. Mm -hmm. Don't let me do all the preaching. You jump in too. He said he's given to each one a measure of faith. I want you to skip down to verse nine. This is so important for us in this church. He said, let love be without hypocrisy. Now we were talking about this week's, before any of this, we'll get that later. We were talking about this weeks before any of this began showing up in the news, uh, long before um, any of the things that we've seen over the last several weeks. And yet here we are in the middle of it and the Word of God is speaking to us about it. Let your love be without hypocrisy. In other words, it can't just be something coming out of your mouth with your heart somewhere else. It's got to come out of your mouth because it's in your heart and it's got to have the actions to back it up. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Again, these words kindly affectionate. He's talking about the same love that family would have for each other the love that you have for your spouse, for your children, for your mom and dad, for aunts, uncles, cousins, it's a family kind of love. And that's the love he's saying he wants at work in the church because we are family. That's who we are, that's what we are, we are family. Let this kind of be kindly affectionate to one another with this kind of family love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. We'll come back and talk about this again in a moment, but I wanna keep reading here. And again, in light of everything we've seen, notice what the scripture commands us. This is our response and it's a different one. This response does not look like what you're seeing in the media. It does not look like what you're seeing in the rest of the world, but it is the assignment of every born again believer to respond according to the word. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. What was the Lord, what was it the Lord told you about that?
2: If you'll spend all your time blessing, you'll have no time for cursing.
0: If you'll spend all your time blessing. In other words, if that's the only thing that's ever coming out of your mouth Mm -hmm. is blessing and blessing and blessing. It's hard to bless somebody in a harsh tone. (laughs) If you notice, bless you. Doesn't really work, does it? There's a softness about it to bless. And when you're being persecuted, it's the last thing on the mind of the flesh. Mm -hmm. It is the last thing that the soul wants to do is to bless, but we have to have a different response. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And that's part of a family. Mm-hmm. And I, I sought the Lord about it and I said, Lord, if there is somebody in our family, be it our family here at Legacy Church or the global family of the body of Christ, if they're hurting over what they're seeing happen in the world, then I want to hurt with them. But you can't just commit to hurt with somebody. That doesn't end up doing them any good. It's a different response. It's the response that brings them back to the Word of God. It's it's a soft word that says, I understand. I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. Come with me to God. Let's look to Him and to His Word. Let's find out how He would respond to this. So we've been focusing our time over the last several weeks, looking at verse 13, what the scripture said here about distributing to the needs of the saints and being given to hospitality. And I want to make no bones about this. i am gonna be very clear what Sarah and I are talking to you about as we talk about these things. This is our church growth strategy right here. This is it. We don't have some other secret marketing plan or strategic plan with this group and these groups and these leaders and those leaders. No, this is our church growth strategy right here. Be nice to people, be kind, show them the love of God. Be more than just talk. This is our church growth
2: plan. Am I right about that? Yeah, I mean, for years as well, the Lord's told us that kindness has drawing power yeah. and it's like a magnet to this place. If you think about, um, I, I'm, I guess the thing that comes to my mind is all of our staff tells me stories when they're out around town and they come into contact with people and those people, I've had people that I don't know come up to me and say, if I didn't even know you guys from TV, if I didn't, had, had never heard your ministry, I would come to your church because I met your staff. And God. why is that? It's because my staff, our people here, are showing the kindness and the love of God to everyone they meet in this community. And if you think about what a healthy church is, what a healthy um, body is, it's a place that is irresistible. It's a place that is so kind, is so loving to an, a community that those people want to know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. They wanna know what, why are you flourishing? Why are you? Why are people being healed there? Why are people growing and coming out of addictions and, and flourishing? Well, it's because of the kindness of God. God has shown us His kindness. We have a great revelation of how much He loves us and we're able to love every single person in our community, so I believe that kindness has drawing power, and it's like a magnet to this place. I, I mean, it, I was thinking about. I went and saw somebody this week. Not she's not born again, and. Um, she, I would probably say she's pretty spiritual, <laughs> but she's not born again. Um, she drove by our church and she said, Sarah, I drove by your church. And it was like, there was energy around your sign of the legacy church sign. Well, she didn't know how to say it because she's not born again. But the truth is there is something coming out of this place. God is on this place. And what it is, is it's the love of God and the kindness of God. That's really in all of us. That's drawing people to to this place. And that is what is going to be really the foundation of this church. Such a foundation of this church is the loving kindness of the Lord. Um, I think about, uh, how King Jehoshaphat, how, when he went out to fight a war, He sends out all of these people before him, the praisers, and he declares, he says, for the Lord endure, for his mercy endures and his loving kind, really that's translated, his mercy endures and his loving kindness endures forever and ever and ever. What is that? The, there's so much power in the kindness of God that it's able to win a war for you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's amen. able, it's able to help you overcome, and it's drawing. It'll bring people here. So as a church, you know, we're really, really, I know harping on that, but That's it's the truth so though. powerful.
0: And it's interesting that you brought that up. You know, the, the Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. What they would say that over and over, the, that Hebrew word, that Hesed mercy. It's the exact same word that King David used. We've talked about it for the last several weeks, but in the book of second Samuel chapter nine, when he's sitting there on the throne of Israel and he cries out and he says, is there not someone left in the house of Saul that I can show? the kindness of God to. That word kindness is that same word, it gets translated mercy, it gets translated loving kindness. It's the hesed, it's the, it's the covenant kindness of God. And, and I know many people see David as a hero for what he did on the battlefield with Goliath. I, I know he's got so many amazing medals that he could wear throughout his life. But I, the more I meditate on it, the more I look at that account right there and that man becomes my hero because of what was coming out of his mouth. And I want that prayer, that same prayer to be coming out of the mouth of everybody here at Legacy Church. Give us somebody to show your kindness to. Mm. Now, when you go back to that in second Samuel, what happened was David said, give me somebody from the house of Saul that I can show him kindness. And he ended up calling one of Saul's who was dead and gone now, but he had this servant uh, named Ziba and David called him in and he said, are you Ziba? And in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we'll put this on the screen for you, but I like Ziba's response. He says, at your service, mm-hmm. at your service. And the more I meditated on that, the more I realized that's supposed to be what's coming out of our mouth when we come into this place. Mm-hmm. See, right now we're getting a building ready. There's a renovation and a transformation process that's taken place physically with this building to get ready for you to come into it. But that's not the only thing under construction. You are. I am. And God is getting us ready. We are making room like Mm -hmm. we talked about. Was it last week in church talking Mm -hmm. about making room? We are making room for not just God and the things of God. We're making room for people. We're making place for people to come in here. And we've got some things to get ready. And what came out of Saul's servant's mouth at your service should be coming out of our mouth at your service. I'm at your service, Lord. Then this thought hits me as I get, I'm getting ready for this. For you to be at his service, you know what else you have to be? At the service. <laughs> you cannot be at his service without being at the service. What am I saying to you? Make a commitment to come to church. Make church not just an add-on to your life. Make the things of God not just an extracurricular. Make these things priority. And if you looked at church statistics, you would see that Many people, the ones who are going, they're going maybe a couple of times a month. Some one out of four weeks a month. Mm -hmm. But we don't have to be that way. We can make this a commitment Mm -hmm. to be at his service. You got to be at the service. So Ziba said to King David, I'm at your service And David said the same thing to him that he'd been crying out to God. Is there not somebody left to show the kindness of God to? And Ziba said, there is a son. Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth. He's lame in both of his feet. And David said, oh, really? His feet don't work. Is there somebody else? Because I'm not really looking for somebody like that. (laughs) No. David said, I love David's response. Where is he? Where is he? And Ziba said, he is in such and such house. He's in a city called Lodabar. That the name of that city literally means no word, no communication. It was so far away and so in the middle of nowhere. You've heard the expression, word travels fast, not to Lodabar. word did not travel there. They were so far away. And Mephibosheth is basically in hiding here. And David says, go get him, go get him. And this is what the kindness of God is compelling him to do. So he sins and he brings Mephibosheth in and Mephibosheth falls when he sees David, he falls down at his feet. And he said the same things David did. David said, are you Mephibosheth? And, and, and he said, I'm your servant, I'm your servant. And without taking time to go back and look at the whole thing, I would just want to tell you briefly what the kindness of God did for that, that young boy. David said, he said, I am restoring to you all the land of your grandfather. And he called Ziba in and he said, from this day forward, you and your sons and your servants all work for him. And that chapter tells us that Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. I believe that's right. So Mephibosheth goes from, living in hiding, living in fear. And in one day, he encounters the kindness of God and it restores to him and supplies him with not only land, but help, servants, people to work the land for him. And David said to Ziba and to his whole family, he said, you're gonna work the land for him so that he has food in his house. But as for him, listen to this. He said, he will eat bread at the king's table he will eat bread at my table continually. What did that? The kindness of God. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: that's what kindness does. Kindness brings restoration into people's lives. Kindness, we've talked about this. If you live with an open heart and an open hand and an open home, kindness will put something that was yours into their hand and be a blessing to them. The blessing of the Lord working through you can actually make somebody rich just because of kindness. Mm -hmm. Kindness elevated him. I love what King David did for this young man. He put value back on his life. And what that value did was just like David reaching down to where Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was, he elevated him and gave him a place at the table. That's what kindness does. Mm -hmm. Does your life matter? You bet it matters. It more than matters. It's valuable and it is precious in His sight. And this all sounds good, but if all it is is ever talk, it's hypocrisy. So what do we do? How do we put this into action? And this is what we do. Hebrews chapter six, and this is where we'll wrap it up for today. Hebrews chapter six in verse nine says, Beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. He calls our ministry, Sarah, to the saints. He calls it our work. And he says it's a labor of love. But I love what the scripture tells us here. God won't forget it.
1: Mm-mm.
0: You want to give God something that he will not forget, that he cannot forget. And bear in mind, he thinks differently than we do. He thinks in terms and in the scope of eternity. You want to give something God to net, that he will never forget about you. Serve.
1: Yeah.
0: Minister To the saints, that's what that word minister is. You look it up, it's the word serve. He's talking here about saints serving saints. Mm -hmm. And it's not just talk, it's action. Mm -hmm. I told you this was the last scripture, but there's one more. This is what the Lord quickened to me. Go to the book of Galatians and we'll wrap it up with this. Galatians chapter five. He said in verse 13, you brethren have been called to liberty Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So there is love in action, not just in talk, but in action. How do we keep from being hypocrites in our love? We don't just say it, but it's actually in our heart and it is expressed in our action. Kindness is the part of love that you can actually see. Mm -hmm. Through love, serve one another. He said, all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you will love your neighbor as yourself.
2: I think it's interesting what it says, through love, serve one another. That's not just what you do to serve. It's the heart that you do it with. And so you could show up every day and say, yeah, I'll be there, I'll do that. Or you you can commit your life to serving God. But unless the heart is there, unless there's love behind the service that propels you into that, then it means nothing. It's exactly what First Corinthians chapter 13 talks about is that you could, you could even give your body to be burned, but without love, it profits you nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's the love behind the service. It's the faith behind the service that makes it something.
0: That's right. And he said here, all the laws fulfilled in this one word, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what needs to be happening right now. And you can tell by just turning on the news for about 30 seconds and it's not happening out there, but it is happening in here. Why? Because the church is supposed to have a different response. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. There was a man that came to Jesus in his ministry and he asked this question and it is the question. He said, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, will you tell me how you read the law? Tell me, tell me how you read it. He said, well, um, Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Mm -hmm. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, you're right. Mm -hmm. He said, you do this and you will live. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? That loving, we know that loving God is life, but loving your neighbor Mm -hmm. is life. And here in Galatians 5, we see the connection. How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? by serving. Mm-hmm. But that man, when he heard Jesus say it, the Bible says in an effort to justify himself, he said, okay, well, who is my neighbor? In other words, who do I have to love? Who, who can I keep from loving? Am I allowed to not love that one? Am I allowed to not love that one? Mm-hmm. But instead of answering it directly, Jesus said there was a certain man who went on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. And you know, this account, we call it the good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And in the Bible says, Jesus said he fell among thieves and the thieves stripped him and they wounded him. They robbed him. And Jesus said they left him half dead. And then a priest comes along. You know the account. You've been hearing it since Children's Church. A priest comes along. He sees, but he passes by on the other side. A Levite comes along. He sees, but he passes by on the other side. But then a Samaritan comes. And this is really Jesus dealing with racial issues head on. Mm -hmm. And a Samaritan comes and he sees the Bible said he was moved with compassion. Mm -hmm. That's the same word used to talk about what rose up in Jesus when he saw the sick, when he saw the crowds. The Bible says he was moved with compassion and he healed the sick. That is such a strong word. I wish we had better words in the English language to talk about how strong that that is because it's not just sad feelings. It's not just pity. It is such a strong move on the inside. They literally referred to it as the bowels of compassion because that's where they believed compassion and mercy was down at the core on the inside of somebody. And they were so moved on the inside that it demanded action. It required action. what he did, this is so powerful. What he did was he bandaged that man's wounds by pouring in, Jesus said, the oil Mm -hmm. and the wine. Now, if this man was beaten and left half for dead and wounded, laying out in the street, a lot like we've seen, he's laying out there in these dirty streets, these open wounds. Why do they pour in oil and pour in wine? to stop the infection. Mm -hmm. The oil soothes the pain. The wine kills the infection. Mm -hmm. And right now what you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of pain and you are seeing this thing spread like an infection. infection. Mm -hmm. What's going to stop it? Mm -hmm. The oil and the wine. Both of them types of the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. How important is the church? You tell me.
1: So important.
0: Because they're not getting, they're not getting filled with the Holy Ghost watching the news at night. They're not getting a dose of new wine, turning on the media day after day and feeding on it and feeding on it and feeding. You've got to feed on something else. You and I are the ones that are equipped with the oil and the new wine. We can stop the pain. We can stop the infection if we'll allow our hearts to be moved with compassion. And that's not just for an isolated case when somebody was done wrong halfway across the country. That's coming to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And before you ever get out of your car, you say, Father, give me somebody Mm -hmm. to show your kindness to. Mm -hmm. And he will. I promise you that he will answer that prayer Mm -hmm. and he will bring somebody across your path that you can show kindness to. Whether it's somebody in this building that you get to serve by serving in the parking lot or by serving in the children's ministry or by serving in our praise and worship team or by serving as an usher, by serving as a greeter, by serving in any number of these places we have as opportunities for you to serve. Every time you get to serve, that's you saying, give me somebody to show the kindness of God to. But guess what? He'll give you somebody in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. He'll give you somebody in the doctor's office. You pray that prayer and he will bring them to you. Amen. 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 And what do you do when you come across somebody who's wounded? When you come across somebody who's in pain and got the infection of bitterness Mm -hmm. coursing through their body, through their heart and through their soul, you pour in the oil. You pour in the new wine. Thank you, Jesus, for the precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this gift Mm -hmm. that heals pain, that stops infection. And just like that Samaritan bandaged him up and put him on his own animal, Jesus said, and took him to the innkeeper, gave him money and said, you take care of him. And if it costs more, I'll pay for it. What is that? Open hand. It's the kindness of God. And so Jesus finished this account and he turned to that man who was questioning him and he said, You tell me who the neighbor was. And this man said, It was the one who showed mercy. Now, that was the first time the word mercy ever showed up in that entire parable. Mm -hmm. But that's what that man got out of it Mm -hmm. that what he did for this other man was mercy. Mm -hmm. And even just sitting here, I I, I sought the Lord about that and I said, Father, I don't see how it's exactly mercy. I see compassion and I don't think I saw it, Sarah, until sitting here right now. This was a Samaritan serving a Jew. Mm -hmm. These are racial Mm -hmm. barriers. Mm -hmm. These are people who have hurt each other. These are people who have said wrong. Now, whether this man and that man ever did, it's two representatives. Mm -hmm of two groups that had done each other a lot of harm. But what he did for that man didn't, his response wasn't limited by what somebody else had done, done to him. It came from somewhere else. It was a different response. And sadly it was different than the religious people's response, but it was the right one. He was the good Samaritan. I'm going to be a good American. (laughs) I'm going to be a good believer. Amen. 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 We just coming to you from our heart today. I know there, there's a lot that can be said about all this, a lot that has been said about all of this. And very little of it is ever said perfectly. Mm -hmm. Very little of it is ever said in a perfect way that suffices everybody's emotion. And that's not what we're trying to do today. But as your pastors and as the the, uh, leaders of this congregation, we have an assignment to take you back to the word of God. How do you respond when you see these atrocities in our street? How do you respond when you're witnessing the burning of a nation? Mm -hmm. You go to the word. You go to the word. You have to go to the Word. It's the only thing that will act as an anchor to your soul. It's the only thing that will keep you from being up and down. It's the only thing that will keep you from lashing out in anger. It's the only thing that will put a softness to your Word that has the ability to turn the anger down instead of turning the heat up. I believe the Lord's helping us with this.
2: Amen. Amen. Do you
0: have anything else you want to add to this before we pray over everybody I today? just believe
2: that Legacy Church is going to be known around the world the as Lord. one of the kindest Places in the world, some of the kindest people in the world. And the reason I'm saying the world, maybe it's just a little prophecy that's ahead of us, but you know, if you're able to affect a community with the kindness of God, then you're able to affect a state with the kindness of God. And then you begin to ask for nations, and God gives you a voice into the nations, you're able to reach out. With the kindness of God and the goodness and the love of God, people will be drawn to you from all over the world. And I believe that that's what God is going to do with Legacy Church. But it starts with us here, this core group of people, this, this people, us coming into the house of God with, um, not with the chip on our shoulder, not, uh, not with offense brewing in our hearts, but the desire to serve people with the love of God, to serve people with kindness, to get our minds off ourselves mm-hmm. and to get our minds on other people. Father, give me someone that I can show your kindness Amen. to. And so I believe that this church is going to be a place that's known far and wide for our kindness. I had a a friend write me the other day on Instagram and he said, Sarah, I was going back and reading my partner letter from 2010. And he said, I remember I got to serve at a conference with you and you guys and your staff. And he said, I've never been impacted in my whole life. Um, Uh, anywhere in my life, like I was with you guys, the kindness that was shown to me. And I mean, if there's any compliment that I could take, I would take that one because that is the love of God in action. You know, we want to be a place where there is, um, there is unconditional love and kindness and grace for people. And when people come into this place, we give them that. Now that doesn't mean that we compromise on the word of God. It also doesn't mean that we compromise on, uh, uh, the high level of the standard of living that God has given us to live by we don't compromise on the revelation that we've been given Um, and so you may not hear us always agree with everything you say or any of that but we won't compromise on what God tells us but we will love you unconditionally and we will stick with you till the end and if you come into this family and God places you in this family uh, don't jump out too quick Don't try to go attach yourself to another family if this is your family because the Bible says that he sets a solitary in families. But those who, is it that they rebel? or they refuse to go in to be with that family, they dwell in a dry land. You don't want to live in a dry place or you don't want to live in a desert land. Right. You want to live in, you want to flourish in the yeah. courts of your God. And you know, that's why the Bible says, blessed are those who dwell in his courts. What does that make your home in his house or the house that God's called you to for they will ever be praising you Him. They will ever, they will start flourishing. That's what it says. And I think the, the most, uh, the, the most important thing is to not take your relationship with the church too casually. That's good. Don't take it. Don't make it casual, make it Uh, a focus of your life, make it the center of your life to build God's house, to be a part of the family that he puts you with. And if you do that and you come here with the attitude to serve and to love and to bless and to be kind to people, I'm telling you, we can change the world. This church is going to change the world with our kindness. So we love you this week. We bless you, we and we're so thankful that you're a part of this family. We are a family here, and we are building the house of God, and we're excited to see what He does with it. This is the foundational things that we're touching on, so don't miss one week of this. If God's planted you here, don't miss a week. Yeah. These are precious treasures that we are getting from God each and every week, and Amen. we are so thankful for we, it.
0: We are so grateful. I believe the Lord's talking to us, and listen, if you, even if today you heard something you didn't like, don't don't turn us off. Just stay open. Just stay open. We're human. We can miss it. We will. There'll be times we won't get everything right, but what we will commit to, like we've talked about today, is putting the same value on each other that Jesus has put on us. And when he, he paid the highest price, the Bible says you were bought at a price and it was the price that was paid for you that determines your value. That's what we want you to hear today. That's what we want you And every time you come into this place. And I hope you're getting stirred up about the days ahead of us where these doors can be open and we can gather together. And just to quickly update you again, we're watching it. We're watching uh, the restrictions. We're watching as they begin to lift uh, where and how we can meet with each other. Be patient with us. I know many of you, many places are going back to church. We support them. That's wonderful. Uh, if this is your place, just be watching with us because we want to open at the right time in the right way. We want to do it safely. We want this to be an encounter in the presence of God for you and for your family. So thank you so much for watching today, everybody. We love you and we will see you again next Sunday. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY and any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you and remember... You are always welcome here in the House of Faith.